she's like that heart animal you have, you know? Like, she's, she's, she'll always be my girl. Hello, I'm John Rossi. I'm a touring drummer with a love for all things animal. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos, aquariums, rescues, and rehab facilities. Now, I want to share those places with you. I'll be talking to keepers, vets, conservationists, volunteers, anyone who is as passionate about animals as I am. Join me on my Ross Safari. Hi, hello, how are you? Welcome back to the only podcast that features a cat keeper getting asked a lot of questions about a cow, the Rossafari Podcast. That's right, y'all. This episode today is coming to you from the Cape May County Zoo in Cape May Courthouse, New Jersey. And yes, we start off immediately with some laughter and me wondering why the heck there's a town called Cape May Courthouse. Then we settle into talking about my guest and some animals. And while my guest takes care of the big cats at the zoo, I of course start my interview by asking about one of the celebrity animals in the zoo world. If you've never heard of Jilly the Cow, you haven't been paying attention to my Instagram, and boy howdy are you going to hear about Jilly today. This divine bovine is one of those animals that people just fall in love with. Species be damned. You're going to love this animal because she's an amazing animal, and uh, that's been my experience at the zoo, and uh, I think you're going to really enjoy it. Oh, also, we, we talk about, you know, the cats that my guest actually takes care of and stuff. So don't, don't worry, we do get there eventually. I just have to be a goober about a cow first, and, and I'm really excited for you guys to hear all of that. My guest this week is Jen Berg, and Jen Berg is the supervising animal keeper of carnivores and primates at the Cape May Zoo. But as you're going to hear, her real passion is for the big cats that she gets to take care of. So this episode is going to be focused largely on them. We're going to talk about snow leopards and cheetahs and lions, all the good stuff. But also, like I said, we're mostly just going to be talking about a cow named Jilly, at least at first. So, uh, yeah, I can't help it. I love Jilly. You're going to love Jilly and all the other stuff's really cool, too. So quick reminder, at Ross Safari on Instagram and Facebook, at Ross Safari Pod on TikTok. You can check out rossafari.com, patreon.com, Ross Safari to support the pod, all the good links. And hey, every once in a while, I like to leave this reminder. If you have the time, you could hop on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app and leave me a five-star rating. It takes like half a second. And also, you could write a quick review along with that five-star rating. It takes about 20 seconds, and uh, the more reviews you get, the more people find your podcast. And I'm really trying to blow this bad boy up so that everyone can hear awesome stories from zookeepers and amazing conservation messages. So uh, without further ado, here is my interview with Jilly the cow. No, I'm kidding. With Jen Berg, the supervising animal keeper of carnivores and primates at the Cape May County Zoo. All right. So why don't we start off by by you? Oh, good Lord. All right. <laughs> I'm going home. So why don't we start off by you telling me who you are, where we are, and what you do here? 
I am Jen Berg. We are at the Cape May County Zoo in Cape May Courthouse, New Jersey, and I am the supervising animal keeper of carnivores and primates. Okay, and all of that is awesome, and we will get to all of that, but why is it Cape May County Courthouse? Do you know? Um, <laughs> We live, well, the, the zoo is in court, Cape May Courthouse because that's just like the name of the town area that I think they had the municipal buildings in. Um, but we are the Cape May County Zoo because we are county funded. We're, we run on donations. We're a free zoo, which I think is awesome in this it day is. And it is. And, um, but also, um, you know, we're county employees and the county helps support us and oversees us. That's very cool. I still don't, I, I don't understand why the town's called Courthouse. The whole time I was like, <laughs> when I first found this place, I literally, I looked it up and I was like, it, no, I don't, I don't want directions to the courthouse. I want, oh, that's the name of the town. Okay. So, but I know that we can't do much to, to fix that. Today, no, so. I think it's all set for now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all right, let's start off talking about you though, a little bit. Um, what, what got you here? What got you into animal keeping? Um, I always loved zoos from when I was a little kid. Um, I am come from a big family. I'm the youngest of five. So, um, our vacations were just like the conferences my dad went on for work and they would always make us like go on the historical tours and all that, which was fine, you know, but I'm a little kid. I want to do something a little <laughs> bit more fun. Um, so a lot of the times another educational thing would be, be that we could go to the zoo in those areas. And whenever I walked around the zoo, I just felt at home. I just knew it was like kind of where I belonged. I love little kids and I love talking to little kids and people in general. And I loved animals. And I felt like that was the best way to kind of combine the two together. That's awesome. And so what what steps did you take to to get into the profession? Um, so I did get a degree in zoology from... Um, Connecticut College up in Connecticut along the coast there. And uh, then I interned at Philly. I worked at Turtlewax Zoo um, for a couple of summers. Um, I actually kind of took a little detour and worked at the Seeing Eye up in North Jersey. But I learned a lot about behavior and vet care and stuff like that. Um, and then I went to South Africa to work with uh, South China Tigers um, they were doing a conservation program there to um, work on rewilding them and build a program that would eventually go back to China. And then um, I ended up here after that. And I've stayed here. I, I just It's easy to fall in love with this place. Um, we're like a medium-sized zoo. And we're right near the beach. <laughs> um, yes. Every time I come here, I immediately go to the ocean and stand in it, even when it's way too cold. Uh, yes. It, it just brings you peace. Yeah. Um, and you know, I love the people here. Um, I found my husband and I love my coworkers and I just didn't want to go anywhere. Once I found here, I felt like it was the right place for me. It wasn't too small and it wasn't too big. It was just perfect. One of my favorite things about, um, and you know, any, I mean, you're right. It's more medium than small, but, yeah. but any not large zoo. And I, I do love large zoos as well, but is just how much, um, teamwork there is. And like a perfect example of that here is that who were these interviews set up by? Um, they were set up by fellow zookeepers and then our supervisor. We just kind of all talked to each other. Well, right. No, but I mean, the person who coordinated all of this, at least from my end, was Alex. Yeah. Who is? 
He's our vet. Yeah. <laughs> I could not believe when I got, um, you know, an email response asking me and saying, hey, I'm going to set all of this up. And I looked down and I saw that he was the vet. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh, my goodness. Everyone really does everything. Yeah. Okay. Here's just a vet doing PR and helping me and talking to you guys. And it that kind of thing just cracks me up. But in the best way. I love good teamwork, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just that, – that one that one got me. <laughs> But um, that's awesome. That sounds like a really cool path. And um, Philly, like I said, I'm from right outside of Philly. Right. So I, I go. To, I was at the Philly Zoo yesterday. I go oh, frequently. awesome. Um, and Turtleback, I was at the day before because nice. I have some friends that work there. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I'm very familiar with your entire path. Um, were you, are you from Connecticut originally? No, I'm actually from North Jersey. So oh, okay. Turtleback is like more from the area, around the area that I'm from. Um, but I just ended up wanting to come down here. I when I came to the Sioux and interviewed and I and I got the job. I just loved it down here. It was just a nice change and something different. That's so awesome. What was your uh, what was your first position here? Um so when we start out here we're just like relief keepers. So we get trained um across the zoo, which is very nice. You know, you talk about us being teamwork. We we know everybody that works at the zoo, we know, you know, like we all um, a lot of us work together, you know, so we work in different sections every day, especially when you first start out here. Um, I was trained in every section of the zoo except for reptiles. I don't know that much about reptiles, but I got a taste of everything else, which is nice, especially early on in your career. You know, then you could see if like, you know, maybe your initial passion wasn't, you know, primates or of stock or something. But then once you work with them, it's a lot different. A lot of people end up liking birds. You know, because you see their personalities once you end up working with them. You know, <laughs> okay, no so- offense to bird keepers, but not everybody like knows how cool birds are. No, this is okay. Them. So I know that you haven't checked out the podcast yet. Yeah. Uh, although listeners, don't worry. She said she's going to. But um, this has been a saga over the last almost year now. Where first of all, I didn't give a poop about birds. Yeah. And then as I got to know them and have gotten to meet ambassador ones and go behind the scenes in aviaries and stuff, I've fallen in love. Right. But also. Every single bird keeper that I have had on this podcast, and I have had a lot, started out not caring about birds and fell into it and usually worked with ambassadors and met one or two birds and fell so freaking in love with them that they then pivoted and became bird keepers and now would not go back to mammals if you, you know, offered them a huge Yeah, race. that's awesome. It is. It's a whole – so to hear you say that, knowing that you haven't listened to any of that, I mean, that story has played out on this podcast that's like so a funny. dozen times. Yeah, like I'll still visit, <laughs> especially the parrots and stuff, I'll still pass by and say hi to them. I don't really work with them right. anymore, but like, I, I mean – they just steal your heart. And like they ju- – I love that they judge you so early on. <laughs> and you have to work hard to change their minds. And sometimes you never change their minds. But you really try. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. Um, and so, okay, so you started out Relief. And then yes. talk me through. What else? Um, so I started out with Relief. Um, you kind of end up like – getting into a groove with certain areas of the zoo. So I was in diets a lot, which was awesome. It was actually one of my favorite sections at the time because you go on what's called rounds in the morning and you check on all the animals and feed some of the animals that need to be fed multiple times a day. And it's just like you're a kid going to the zoo. You got to see the animals first thing. You get to see almost all the animals in the zoo. They haven't seen people all night. So especially in the summer, 
you know, when by the end of the day, they're just kind of like, oh, there's been a lot of people here today. I'm going to go back and lay in the shade. In the morning, they're raring to go. <laughs> they're like, ooh, person, let's see what we're going to do today. Um, and then, you know, not everybody's cup of tea is like making the food for the animals. But I loved like just switching things up and, and trying different things, trying different ways to cut the food and all that. Um, and then I was in um, primates sometimes. I was in a lot of the hoofstock sometimes. I got like a lot of different variety and experience. And then, of course, I was trained in cats, which that was always my goal. Um, I absolutely love them. They were my favorite days. I look forward to those days. Um, and then just from there, I, I just, you know, that was my goal to really go into that and, and learn more about them and train them more. And um, I was lucky because my supervisor then, he really let me um, kind of do my thing with training and everything like that. Like I would check with him to make sure what I was doing was okay and right, allowed right, or right. whatever, but he kind of, you know, kind of let me take the lead. So, um, that was nice. And, and then my, um, career grew from there. I did be, become the senior keeper of, um, the section of, uh, cats. And I actually oversaw CNK, which is our, um, barnyard area. And then kind of like our wallabies and duck and all that area out in the back. Uh, back then, we had munchaks and capybaras, and now we have capybaras again, and I think they're super cool. They're such cool animals. Yeah, yeah. they're really cool. Um, and then after that, once my supervisor left, um, then I also moved up and got that position. So um, I oversee the cats. I oversee the primates. Um, I have a great senior keeper in that area. She... Um, I, she has great knowledge. She researches everything you can about her animals, and she has great communication with me. Um, and then um, I also still oversee CK in a supervisory position, and um, my senior keeper in that section also um, is in cats. He's my senior keeper of cats as well. So we communicate quite often as well. And then I do oversee small mammals a little bit too. The senior keeper in that section um, had a lot of years of experience in that section. So um, the keepers are great with going to him. And then on his days off, they'll they'll come to me. Um, so my beginning really is a great tool for where I am now at the zoo. I'm really familiar with a lot of the zoo. Um, not all of the animals that are in the section now I've personally worked with, but I try to keep up to date with what's going on in the section and, and go visit them or train them. You know, a lot of the primates I still have a hand in training sometimes. Because um, I'm also the training coordinator here. Oh, wow. Okay. Nice, yeah. nice, nice. I have a lot of hats. I keep busy. Um, so, uh, but I think people appreciate that because they could come to me and and talk to me about what's going on in their section. And and I, I know what's going on. That's the other thing that's great about having a medium-sized zoo is because it's good to like that to know that you're the people that are overseeing you kind of have an idea of who your animals are and what's their norm and and things like that. It kind of helps our, my position. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's really cool. Um, so how much of your day is spent with animals now versus like, I don't know, doing spreadsheets or whatever else supervisors <laughs> do? Um, so for um, my supervisor position, I really try to fit it in and amongst my day. I'm still with the cats three or four or five days a week. That's amazing. Yeah. So the cats and the bears. Um, so... 
it's hard sometimes. Um, sometimes I wish I did just have some more time to kind of, you know, chill with the animals and give them give them more of my time. Um, but, you know, it balances out in the end. I think some days I end up having like an extra long meeting or something like that. But then other days I really try to focus on them. I kind of give them their day. Um, and then the other um, days of the week, sometimes I have training days, which is a lot of paperwork. Being a training coordinator, I do consultations and help people with their paperwork and all that stuff. But in the end of the day, we need to have records on everything, right? Right, of course, yeah. And then otherwise, my supervisor stuff. I do some work at home um, as well. But I don't mind. It's not like a ton of paperwork um, over the years. So it's not too bad. Good. That's awesome. Very cool. Um, So there there are many things that you brought up that I want to touch on. Sure. But let's be honest. There is nothing more important at this entire zoo than a certain barnyard animal that is just beloved by the community and that I think the larger zoo world doesn't really know exists. So please tell me everything, and I mean everything, about Jilly. <laughs> I don't know if I could quite fit everything about Jilly in this one <laughs> podcast. Um, Jilly is our beloved cow in our barnyard. Um, she does have her own barn with her name across the top of it. Um, she is very loud and is very demanding when she wants her hay. She doesn't like that she's put on a diet most days. (laughs) Um, and the people just love her. Like she's up at the front, um, and she lets people pet her and she's very slobbery, messy and loves to stick her tongue out, which some people love and some people hate. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like had her own following. It's really funny because like, I believe last time I checked, there was, like, a Facebook page for her. But, like, we didn't create it. Like, somebody <laughs> just took it upon themselves to make Jilly her own Facebook page because they felt like she needed it. She does have a great personality. We we got her when she was a calf. Um, and it's actually kind of cool because we got her when I was very pregnant with my first child. I was, like, I don't know, six or seven months pregnant. So whenever they ask me how old she is, like, I've been at the zoo 15 years now, so, like, um, really the years sometimes blend together. Sure, When sure. you're younger, you're like, oh, yeah, this animal is definitely this year's old because I was here for, like, two years when we got it, and I've been here three years, you know. Now, like, the, you know, I'm getting the older brain. Right, of course. Yeah, 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 and, like, the years blend together a little bit. But because we got her that year, she's the same age as my son. <laughs> So people are like, how old is Jillian? I'm like, I know. Like, she just turned eight because my son is turning eight in June. Um, And, you know, we love Jilly. We used to take her out and halt her when she was little. Now she's just so ginormous. We just stopped doing that for safety reasons. And we also used to go in with her all the time. But then, you know, she gets those teenage, she got to those teenage years (laughs) And she really was, like, rambunctious and, like, didn't know her size. And she would gallop around the yard and (laughs) she would cycle and all that. So we did end up having a shift gate for her. And we do shift her. We go in two people just for extra caution right now. But, like, I'm not sure, really, if she thinks she's a person or a goat. I really don't think she knows she's a cow, though. (laughs) She loves to hang out with the goats. Um... She used to have one, Lee, may he rest in peace. Um, He was kind of like her little boyfriend. She would lick him from, like, head to toe. (laughs) Um, She's very curious. We have um, 
Toggenberg kids right now, and she, like, because she's so tall, she could kind of reach over the fence line there in the front yard by themselves, our little small goat yard on the side, and she's already, like, reached over and gone nose-to-nose with them because she's checking them out. (laughs) Um, But she loves her people, too. You could call her. She'll run right over. She loves scratches. She loves being scratched with the rake, and... um, and she does train in sessions with us as well. You know, we, we train even the cow. We train to, you know, do injection and, and flank and stick out her tongue for pictures <laughs> and all that fun stuff as well. That's amazing. Um, does she have any favorite foods? She loves, well, besides hay, which is like her well, norm, yes, yes. she really loves our um, Missouri leaf eater biscuits. They're the big biscuits. Um, she'll eat some of the other stuff as well. She, for some reason, she's never been like a huge fan of just like, you know, like apples or sweet potatoes or carrots or some of those like easier things to just like chop up and give her. Um, she's really preferred um, more, up, which I mean, I guess makes sense of the, you know, the grain type thing. I heard a rumor that she has one type of fruit she really likes. Bananas? Oh, she does like uh, bananas. Yep, yep. Yes. <laughs> and that we actually didn't know for a while because we didn't even like try bananas with her for a while. Like we just kind of I would have never thought of giving a cow a banana. No. So. And like a lot of our animals, like like peanuts and stuff, she's like, she's picky. You think like cows just want to eat everything? That's like the rumor, or at least I think that's the rumor in the world. <laughs> No, she's she's picky. She's a little queen bee that likes her certain things. But when you have your own barn named after your own sign, we have all like Holstein milk production signs out there for her. She's a big deal. So she's like, I can request what I want from that Truth. nutrition staff. <laughs> and um, does she have any enrichment items? Um, she does. She has um, great big barrels. She'll she'll um, push around. Um, she has lots of different feeding things. She loves her hay bags, obviously. Um, we just bought her a brand new feeder that's like this big cube in her in the front of her yard so that she could eat out of that. That's kind of different. And um, that'll bring her up to the public because it's hard without feeding now. Right, right. She doesn't tend to hang out there as often as she used to. So we're trying to bring her up front for the people to see her more. Um, and then I think, in my opinion, her one of her favorite things is she, uh, we put up, uh, what is it called, like a zip line, like in the trees above her yard, mm-hmm. and we'll hang anything from hay bags to Christmas trees from up there. She loves the Christmas trees, especially <laughs> when they first come in, the pumpkins when they first come in. She loves her seasonal <laughs> enrichment as well. <laughs> um, tell me, tell me, did, did, I, I heard a rumor again. I may have talked to one of your keepers last time I was here. That's fine. Uh, about um, a red ball. Oh, she likes her red ball as well. Um, I haven't been in there since she's had it. So I cannot talk about firsthand okay. experience. Because what I was ball. told what I was told is that she'll play fetch only once or twice, but she will go and, she and get the it. red ball and take it back. And like just the idea of a cow playing fetch brings me more joy than like anything. Like, think about that for a second. That is really cool. <laughs> she does have her limits though with like everything. Right, right. Like she's like only a couple times and then I'm good. I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And you know, kind of we've talked on the podcast a lot about how certain animals have this just, I don't know, this is je ne sais quoi, where people just love them more than other animals and and more than even like other members of their species at other zoos. Yeah. And Jilly is one of those. Um, my girlfriend is a fourth year vet student working on becoming a zoo vet. 
we have had so many cool behind the scenes experiences meeting so many rare, endangered, cool animals between her and my podcast. Right, right. When we first got to this zoo, uh, Jilly came right up. It was before the COVID feeding stopped. So right. um, uh, she started fe- and 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 Zoe freaked out. I mean, like <laughs> literally, I have pictures of her with Jilly. With just the dumbest happy face on. Oh, that's and adorable. she didn't want to walk away. And I'm like, yo, we're here to see like red pandas and like <laughs> snow leopards and cheetahs. And she's like, but cow. And we know her name's Jilly because of the barn. And I was like, okay. And yeah, we, we have spent an inordinate amount of time with with uh, silly Jilly. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, and she, you know what? Like we say, she's like the greeter of the zoo. Like she is a great animal to come right in um when you first enter the zoo you know it's a great a great way if she's, she's her like little walmart greeter i guess you could say <laughs> she doesn't give out stickers because she probably would eat them but um but she does give a, a a great greeting when you come right in it's time for interrupting 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 interrupting, interrupting john I have two additional fun facts for you about Jilly, and then one additional fun fact for you about me. First of all, Jilly really likes the attention of her keepers, and if she's not getting enough attention, and some other animals are, she will moo at them. It is a very demanding moo when she wants attention, and she is happy to let the keepers know that she wants said attention. So yeah, she will moo at them, and they know better than to say no to the queen. The other fun fact is that Jilly hates selfies. Jilly really hates selfies. If you hold your phone up and put your face near her and try to take a selfie, she will headbutt you. And this is a large cow. They actually had to put in a little barrier at the front of the enclosure so that people can't get close enough to Jilly to take a selfie where she can lean her head over and headbutt you. Of course, after this interview, I asked to go see Jilly, and she was in the back of her exhibit, so we went to the back where there isn't that barrier. And despite having been warned, I did try to get a selfie with Jilly. Instead, what I got is a photo of a cow swinging its head about to hit me, and then immediately got pushed really hard and basically almost knocked down by a cow. Um, Hey, can't say I wasn't warned, but Jilly's personality is just awesome. The other fun fact that I have to share about this cow is that whenever I am at her exhibit, I find myself singing the following. Jilly Jilly is a cow, Jilly Jilly is a cow, is a cow, you know that she is Jilly. Jilly Jilly is a cow and she is a silly cow, so of course we call her Silly Jilly. Jilly Jilly cow cow, Jilly Jilly cow cow, cacao cow that is named Jilly. Jilly 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 cow, cacao Jilly cow, Jilly Jilly is a silly silly Jilly. Over and over again, despite the fact that people walk by. Some even stop and stare at me like I'm nuts. Especially when I take it up and start going, Jilly Jilly is a cow, Jilly Jilly is a cow, is a cow, a cow that's named Jilly. Jilly Jilly is a cow and she is a silly cow, so you know they call her Silly Jilly. I am, I, I have problems, y'all. Anyway, back to the interview. Um, and know what, like you, you mentioned, you know, our fans and, and sometimes they, they 
come up in droves in in random spots around the zoo. And it depends on the year who's popular. You know, we do have our normal. Our red panda fans have definitely come out of the woodwork, you know. Oh, yeah. Pandas are crazy. And they speak as one. Luna has brought the droves to our zoo, which I mean, as she should. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um... You know, we have crazy otter fans out there, and they're not necessarily one of the endangered species, but people just love them. They love to see them swim and come out. Um, and obviously, there are snow leopards, but I'm I'm a little bit, you know, favoritism over them. <laughs> well, and I get that though. The snow leopards here are awesome and and great enclosures, and um, I just I love all about it. That's actually where I was going to go next. So thank you for doing my job oh, for yeah, me. You're welcome. Let's transition to talking about the snow leopards here. Um, so snows are my absolute passion here. So I, growing up, I really love tigers and I still love tigers. Don't get me wrong. Um, but the year I was trained in cats back in 2010, I'm going to age myself here. (laughs) Um, I, we had snow leopard cubs born. So what better to steal your heart than snow leopard cubs? I already thought they were amazing animals because I love, you know, all carnivores in general. But um, to really like learn, you know, cats through that experience and, and have that be some of my like initial time with them and their mom, Hamani, um, who just passed away, rest in peace. She lived a long, um, great life here. And she was like a great contributor to SSP and all the zoo programs. Um, I really bonded with her. So she and her success breeding and all that really made me delve into conservation with snow leopards and really learn a lot about the species. Um, and, and she's just like, she's like that heart animal you have, you know, like she's, she's, she'll always be my girl. She, uh, was my greatest success with training. You know, I was, she was my first animal I hand injected and just the trust in the relationship I built with her. Like she just made, she just led the way. Then I just fell in love with every single snow leopard I ever met. <laughs> nope, that's what it takes one. It yeah. takes one and it changes everything. That's right. Um, so I'm curious, you know, you talk about her being a very successful breeder and that's awesome. Um, what's it like as a keeper with a very strong connection when uh, an animal announces, or well, doesn't announce, <laughs> good Lord. But when you find out that an animal is pregnant, um, what, like, do you get excited? Do you get scared? Do you get all of it? Like, talk to me about the emotions that go into that. Um, so Hamani was a little bit different than um, our last uh, breeding pair we had and actually our current one. So um, Hamani, because I was younger in my career, I felt like I didn't think about it as much. I was just very excited for her. And um, including one of the years I was pregnant as well. The year Jilly came. <laughs> nice. Um, so that it was, was the best year. I know, right? <laughs> it was the best year of my career. Um, so we had, so it was exciting that like we could kind of go through, like I'd show her my belly and everything <laughs> and we'd talk about it. Um, but, I just have this mental image of you guys like getting an ultrasound together. <laughs> both of you up on like a perch showing your belly. That did not happen. <laughs> Maybe in my dreams, but not in real life. But um, yeah, so it was really awesome to go through that experience with her. And it was really exciting. And I would be like a little nervous about 
like the day she actually would give birth because like we never like we, we didn't do ultrasound with her we actually did do successful ultrasound with our last um female but for her we just didn't have the setup yet and all sure, that sure. so um we didn't know how many she had and and all that so it would be like especially the day of we'd be like oh we're so excited she had them but are they gonna do okay how many is she gonna have like we, we would need to check on her, but we wouldn't want to check on her too much, you know, to disturb right, her. Right. Um, so, yeah. And then in the beginning, it's kind of like touch and go, too. You have to make sure they're nursing and they're doing great. But, like, Hamani honestly, like, made it easy. She's, like, she was such a good mom. We never had to pull any of her cobs. She, like, you know, she nursed them and they transitioned well to meet, like, I didn't know how easy I had it, <laughs> um, but she really made it feel easy. And, um, you know, and she also just had that great personality. Like um, the vet Alex teases me now that like the other snow leopards that we work with, you know, he's like, they're not Hamani because, like, <laughs> you know, like, like, I think he thinks I think that all the snow leopards are going to be like her. But I know she was special, like. She trained really well. I the cubs wouldn't come in. You know they have to learn to come in too, just like the mm-hmm. the other cats do when they're transferred here. And like I could literally be like, "Come on, and go back outside and get your cubs." And like the, the majority of the time, she would. Like sometimes, <laughs> like we'd have to lock her in and go get them for her. Like they got stuck in a spot that they couldn't right. figure out or whatever. But like a lot of the times, she kind of go back out and like kind of gather them up and bring them in. <laughs> Our last female that we had, um, she her name was. Uh, Tysa and I'd be like, Tysa, go get your cubs. And she'd look at me and be like, um, no, you go get them. Like, that <laughs> is your job. I came in because it's time for me to eat. And like, you could give me my food and I'll go eat in peace and get a break from my kids. Well, you go fetch them from the yard. She just like, that was, that, and I loved her. She was great training too. And I miss her. She transferred out. But, um, but yeah, and now we have a new female breeder, and um, her name is Malia, and I've like gone to know her really well the past couple months, you know, and um, I'm looking forward to her possibly having cubs one day, but um, she's a little bit more of a nervous cat, so we'll just have to see, and she's, you know, we need to see if she's even successful breeding and all right, that course, stuff, yeah. so, um, so she might be a whole different ball game you know you just have to be ready for everything you're never in this career you never know everything you could always new things come every day you know there's there's never enough time in the world to to research everything or know all the personalities you know you think you're like oh I'm good like snows are sometimes like this females are like this males are like that you know a lot of the males are more laid back or whatever and then you get a new one and and everything everything changes. <laughs> you got to go with the flow. <laughs> I love it. That's uh that's really cool. Um so so tell me a little bit about the 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 uh the snow leopards here now though. Like tell me just personalities and stuff. Yeah, so the snow leopards we have now, um our male is named Batar. Um and he was at the Bronx before he came here. And he came here actually as a nervous cat as well, which is really funny because um, once he gets to know you and your space and everything, he really is chill. And he really um, does really well shifting and, like, doing what you ask and, and training with you. Um, but it's funny because I always used to show, like, him training and then Tysa training. And she was, like, fast, like, I'm ready to go, you know, like. 
And he'll be like, oh, I'm totally going to do like up, but I'm going to like take my time going up. You know, like he, he just showed his personality even in his training sessions. And you really have to put the time in with him um, for him to work with you. So like he would want scratches and interaction time with you and really get to know your like his keepers before he would trust you to be like, oh, you want me to go in the den now? Okay. You know, like it, it, it shows when you put your time in with him. Um, and it's funny because our backyard, so we have like an on exhibit yard habitat, right, right. um, out front and, you know, it has a nice newer mesh that zoos use now and a bigger area and stuff. And then our backyard, um, it's like, uh, steel, you know, welded steel and whatever. And it's nice cause they could even have choice when there's like thunderstorm or high winds or whatever, which we can't do with our other yard. Um, but it's smaller, so, like, people always think that animals would, like, choose the bigger, more elaborate right, right. space. He loves that backyard. <laughs> he lo- Like, there's a hammock back there he loves to lay, and it's sunny back there. Um, no offense to the public, but I think he likes getting the break every once sure, in a while, yeah, you yeah. know? And um, But sometimes for his schedule, when it's just, especially when it's just him and his female, um, have access to the dens in the front yard, he and I haven't given him access to the backyard for a month or two months or whatever it is. He will get over it and he'll literally like go to the door, the shift door, and like smack his paw <laughs> and like knocking on the door, like, I would like to go in this area, please. <laughs> and depending on what's going on, I'll coordinate that he could go in that area or not. Or I'll be like, No, Batar, you're supposed to be like trying to breed your right. female. <laughs> go hang out with her today. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, um, then, then we have Malia, um, she came from, um, Roger Williams up in Rhode Island. Nice, I'll be there next week. Nice, um, and then she came in, and like I said, she was a very nervous cat. She doesn't like change. She's, she's an awesome cat, but, like, it was really hard to read her, Mm -hmm. and we put her in that backyard at first, because then we're like, okay, like, now you can settle in, like, Kind of have like a, a little bit of a controlled environment, but we could get to know you. And she threw me for a loop. She was the biggest challenge of my career yet. Um, you know, I tried to spend a lot of time with her. Meanwhile, it was like the end of Hamani's life in the back. So I have a lot of time with her as well. And um, she, like now that we've gotten to know each other better, like, you know, of course, I've absolutely fallen in love with her. Right, right. But she really makes you earn her trust. I spent so much time just, like, talking to her and trying to, you know, feed her and, like, show her that I'm a person she could trust. And um, she wouldn't want to shift or she wouldn't want to shift when I needed her to shift and all that. <laughs> all those, like, new animal issues that you have with her. And trying to get her used to, you know, new sounds she might hear. We have, like, a booster pump inside the building for, like water pressure and all that and like you'd think she'd be okay and all of a sudden she'd hear that you know um (laughs) and so in the beginning I really didn't get to know her personality well and like I just would beg her to 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 do what she I needed her to do so you know we could clean and get through the day and she could be fed she didn't want to eat our food she was on different food at her zoo so I was trying all sorts of different things to feed her you know and I was like 
I don't know what to do, you know? Like, I just, like, let's just go back to basics and, and just, like, find what you will eat and what you do like and what you will do and, like, do that every day and we'll build from there. So, you know, it literally took two months, you know, before she really ended up getting to know all the areas mm -hmm. in the habitat and her real personality started to come out and um, she trust she started to trust me. But, like, how amazing did that feel when I finally started to earn that trust and when she finally started to listen to my cues? You know what I mean? Yeah, it was yeah. the best feeling in the world. And now she's so silly. She she begs for Batar's attention some days and he doesn't give her <laughs> attention. She just acts like then she didn't ask for it, you know? <laughs> Um, she's the only cat ever that like would give me the top of her head to scratch, but like, like weird ways, like upside down or all the way, like in a weird position. <laughs> like, I think it's adorable. Apparently she really likes the top of her head being scratched. And then, um, she's just, I mean, she's just silly. She'll just do like weird movements, weird flips sometimes. And, um, and she's, and she's super sweet, you know? And now that I have earned her trust, I'll ask her to go in or I'll ask her to do a training session with me and she gets so chatty. She'll just sit there and chuff at me and talk to me. And I got to get it on video one time, like, because it's just the cutest thing like that. You know, I've had tons of, you know, especially Himani, you know, I talked about and some of the cubs that, that she had, you know, really would, would interact with me well during training sessions right, and do right. everything I wanted them to do. But, like, really, Malia is the first to – I'm going to talk to you through this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's really awesome, though. That's really Yeah, cool. I think it's great. I think it's great. And know what she taught me? That y you never know what you're going to get, you know? Always a surprise. That's why I love this career. It's like, you know, there's new things every day. You're never going to get bored, absolutely. Even working – with the same animals, they give you new things every day, you right. know, never know what to expect. The minute you think you know them, they'll do something else. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, what, what other kind of cats do you have here? Um, so we also have cheetahs. Um, we have a uh, beanie and boojoo, their male <laughs> pair. Um, our, Those are awesome names. Yes. Our last um, supervisor actually named them after his cats at home. Nice, so. nice. Um, they're brothers and they're really funny. So we've had them, um, oh my goodness. I want to say for like seven years now, they came from Cincinnati and when they got here, um, they came from their breeding facility. So they weren't named. We got to name them, which was pretty cool. And then also whenever they saw people, they just like smacked and hissed at the fence, which can be a <laughs> cheetah thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I asked to train them pretty early on and was just like ready to build their trust and, uh, of course, they still smack and hiss at people, but not nearly as much as they used to. And we really um, worked on building their their enrichment program here. Um, it was so funny because we used to just be like, oh, they're the cheetahs. They don't want to do anything. <laughs> and I'm sure other zookeepers can, you know, lament with me. Um, so we really had to almost put like enrichment in their face. We kind of like put our program upside down on their head. And our, um, our zookeeper, Kim, is our enrichment coordinator and she'll... Like I said, with the primate, she researches everything. Right. So, like, we're like, let's let's figure out, you know, what we can do here. Um, so, together, we kind of figured out, like, 
well, if you're not going to go find enrichment in your yard, we're going to make you, you know, bring it to you. So like we really started like blocking their pathways that they first would go out on. Uh, we did a whole study with perfume and cologne to see what they would react to the most because sometimes they wouldn't react to anything, you know? Sure, sure, yeah. And then other times they would like roll and rub and be crazy. <laughs> so we're like, let's try to see if we could figure out what's in these certain perfumes or colognes or um, what, like at least which ones are their favorite. So right. we're not like having unsuccessful enrichment. And so I, I, I have to ask, obviously, what, 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 are, what are the favorite colognes? Um, so this is personally our cheetah. Of course, of course. Um, but they do like a lot of the stronger scented ones. Um, we found that nutmeg was in some of the ones that were their favorite. Um, a lot of the strong, smellier ones, um, like uh, in the industry, a lot of the times uh, we talk about CK1 and uh, there's one that like there's literally been a study of, though I'm going to forget, of course. Um <laughs> But um, then also, Kim went online, and she ended up getting all these ones from, um, like, the Middle East, and they were, like, sparkly bottles and had all different, like, names on them and, like, Russian ones and stuff. <laughs> and, like, some of those are some of the ones they reacted to the most. Like, they both rubbed and they both rolled and everything. So you never know. You just got to, like, go out and research out there. But they ended up not really liking, like, the the, like – fruity and like just flowery type right scents. right you, Interesting. It, it was more like the woodsy and and um sometimes musky and stuff too but not always so sometimes it's like a combination we think um but we never got like this is definite you know there was ranges of everything it was really interesting yeah that is really fascinating very cool very cool um then we also have our lions yeah you do lex and bella they're siblings um and they came from great adventure um and previously we just had one lion um brutu one male so it was great to get a female in you know and and represent (laughs) how old are they um, they are nine years old. They'll be 10 in um, July. Okay. And Bella's gorgeous. She's absolutely. Yes. She's yeah. an absolutely gorgeous female. Um, so, yeah. So, it's really cool because then also we can teach, um, you know, we always talked about this in our zoo talks or I did, but like. You know, sometimes you lose people talking about the females in the pride when you don't have one there for right. them to see. And she's like still the one that's going to play with the enrichment more and show the hunting skills more and all that, like in our actual habitat when um, we're doing our talks. Right. And that makes total sense because lionesses are the real badasses when it comes to lions that is right they're the ones that go out and hunt they're the ones that do all the crazy work and the dudes stay back and i mean yeah they're there to protect the pride and everything but like the lionesses are the ones if if you dropped me into a a room and said i had to fight a lion or a lion i'm going down or a lioness i'm going down either way but i'm picking the lion and i'm 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 a you know i'm i'm not messing with the lioness yeah yeah Yeah, i might just go cuddle them you never know P.S. Official Rossafari warning. Do not cuddle a lion or a lioness. But yes, but yeah, no, I mean, lionesses are like one of the most ferocious things out there. And and a lot of people, I don't think, realize that. And they're fast and they're strong. Like, it's so funny because Lex will back her down. Like, he's the male, you know, even though they're siblings, he acts, he's, you know, not neutered and he acts like a, a fully mature male. And he'll back her down and, like, uh, like sometimes, you know, and I'll watch their behavior and everything. It's part of my job. But, like, I like 
I'm like, I'm so glad I know you're faster than him. That if he runs, I mean, <laughs> she'll she'll give it to him back every once in a while. He'll have a scratch on his nose or whatever. But but like I know when push comes to shove, if they if they had a race, she would definitely win. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, cool. And then is that it for the cats here? I'm we have to one more very special cat. Oh, her name is Judah. And um, she's an Amr leopard. She's out in the savannah right next to the giraffes. And she actually has her own following. You're talking about special following of animals. um, It's not quite as large as some of our other animal followings. um, But she's very special. I mean, we um, think it's really important um, to represent critically endangered species here at the zoo when, when possible. And so when we tell people there's like... 80 of her left in the wild like that really touches them um and she's oh my goodness on top of that though i i do you know try to talk to people when i'm out there because they like to say she's a cheetah or you know i was just gonna say so so the 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 leopard is directly across from red panda yes and so when i'm here i spend an inordinate amount of time with the red pandas because right i'm me yeah and um yeah, no, most of my day when I'm at the Red Panda is spent just talking to people and saying, uh, no, no, that's, that, that's, no, that's an Amber Leopard. Nope, that's an, no, no, Amber Leopard. No, ma'am, I'm sorry. That's actually an Amber Leopard. Oh, nope, not a cheetah. That, that's my yeah, day. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I like to try to educate people. <laughs> and they're like, and she's a baby. And I'm like, she's 13 yeah, years old. Super not a baby. She is full grown. <laughs> Like, she's as big as she's going to get, you know? So, but she does, I mean, I think despite her not being, you know, a large, large cat, like, and them thinking she's a baby, like, that petiteness of her really, like, wins some people over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she's absolutely gorgeous. And I love she has, like, white on her front paws, um, which apparently is, like, a little bit rare in their genetics as well. So I tell her um, she's super special all the time and nice. all my female cats are princesses um so i call them all princesses <laughs> so princess judah um knows how special she is because i tell her all the time <laughs> that is awesome i love that uh yeah and you know actually one thing that i've kind of started to realize is that people not knowing like what they're looking at can actually be a great gateway if you handle it right and if they're open to it. And those are two huge ifs. Yes. But if somebody thinks they're seeing a baby cheetah, they're going to assume that that is a rare, cool thing because it's a baby cheetah. Right. And then to say, well, actually, that's an Amber Leopard and and she is full grown. But did you know, now they're already captivated, that there are only 80 left in the wild. Now you're sharing about a species. And like that, the the baby cheetah is what captivated them despite, you know, not existing. Right. Um, But I have found, I've I've had some success talking to people that way. And I've also had a lot of people who roll their eyes and, and, you know, leave me alone, dude. But whatever, you know, that's that's fine. Um, And they act the same way, even when you're wearing the green shirt. Oh, I'm sure, But it is great, a, a great way to start an education um, conversation with people and sometimes they are really open to it you know yep. um like there's tons of people that even call our lions tigers still you know like um so there's different <laughs> degrees of what you can teach but it is uh it is you're right it's a great way to open a conversation that sometimes you're just doing your work and you're not ready nowadays with covid i have to be careful especially 
um, at our Lions, they automatically draw big crowds, especially if I'm just letting them out and they might be doing something in their habitat because I put enrichment out there or whatever, or if I'm doing a training session and we try not to like encourage big, big crowds to stay there at a time. Right. So like sometimes I have to walk away and wait till people in the stores disperse. But like I also still try to take those moments, even if it's just while I'm walking and cleaning the habitat, like talk to the people that are spread out socially distance there, you know. And, t- and talk to them a little bit because it's so important. It's still our mission. Conservation and education is still a big part of our mission here. Absolutely. And that leads to the question of, are there any conservation organizations or anything that you'd like to give a shout out to? I'm guessing Snow Leopard Trust? Yes. <laughs> yes, of course. I do have to um, shout out to Snow Leopard Trust. Um, uh, they are, of course, my number one favorite conservation um, I do donate that to them monthly and they do great work. They've, they've saved snow leopard, you know, habitat and done so much research with them and so much work, um, with the people. I'm really impressed. And they're of course the number one, um, organization that I, you know, promote here. Um, but then also on a personal note, I would like to shout out to all the keepers here at the Cape May County Zoo. You know, we obviously had a rough year and because we're like, a medium-sized zoo. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we, we've we uh, gathered outside of work in the past, and that really has helped bond us together. And I think we really miss that right now. Um, so, and we did do split teams, as lots of other zoos did in the country, you know, over the last year for a while. And um, we just worked hard, and we pushed through, and I'm really proud of my team. So I just want to shout out for them that I know it's been a rough year, but um, we're going to get through, and um, here's to you know, gathering soon and having some new normal soon. Love it. And then... It's time now, don't you know? We've come to the end of the show. But there's one tale left to go. You're gonna laugh and say, oh no. It's time for the Rossifari Poop Story. Hit me. Oh my goodness. Um, So this is going to be like kind of a random story, but like the number one thing I think of when you're talking about poop is we do um, night walks here at the zoo. So our AZAC chapter nonprofit that raises money, um, we do night walks. So like the zookeepers donate their own time and our management and our county is nice enough to let us use the zoo at night. So we're, we're here, we take care of the zoo and we, and we lock up for them after we're done. We, the people are only, um, supervised while we're here. They're in small groups with us. I did not know this was yes. a thing. I want to go to there. <laughs> um, hopefully everything is back enough to normal that we'll have them again in the fall. We're not doing them this spring, but normally we do them in the spring and the fall. That's so amazing. Yes. Night, nighttime zoo is my favorite zoo. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's very, very cool. Um, and so whenever I walk by the llamas and the alpacas, um, I talk about how they're latrine defecators to the extent that like, you know, when sometimes like alpaca, you know, farmers take them in the trailer, they'll have to put poop in the trailer. So they poop like on the, they'll, they'll know this is our poop spot, (laughs) you know, on, on traveling and all that stuff. But, um, are, and, and it kind of was used to be a little bit easy that like, don't kill me fellow zookeepers for saying that to do their yard. Cause they kind of had those areas in the yard. Um, and so you'd like go in and do those areas and then rake up some extra hay and whatever and like call it a day. Well, then we got our older camel, um, Marty and he, the, the llamas and the pecas got to babysit him while he was too <laughs> small to go in our camel yard. 
And they didn't really like babysitting, apparently. (laughs) So he would, you know, not only would they just try to avoid him. So sometimes they would poop, like, in different spots, you know, to avoid him. Like, because he was in that area near their poop spot. But, like, sometimes they would go to poop and, like, he would come trying to be friends with them and have a conversation with them. And they would have to run the other way. (laughs) So, like, this yard went from, in my, like, in, in my experience, like, 20 minutes, half an hour, depends on how much you have to rake, how much hay is in there, whatever else, to doing, like, an hour and a half. And I'm like, Marty, you were, like, the coolest camel, but, like, can you stop, like, harassing the llamas and alpacas? Um, so, yeah, so they don't, and I, we've put other animals in there, you know, our latest is um, Edith, she's our younger elk. And they've been, you know, watching her while she grows. And I, I think they feel about the same way as her. <laughs> and she likes to do, like, zoomies around their yard. She runs like a, like a crazy elk around <laughs> their yard. Um, so, I mean, some of them I think are like, you know, we're getting a little old for this. Like, can we stop bringing, you know, young animals into this yard? But I, I think they haven't been as bad. As far as I know, I'm not in that section very often anymore, but I don't think they've been as bad. They've, they've kept their latrine areas more intact this time. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Yay, Cape May County Zoo. I really love it there. Uh, you can check them out on Instagram at Cape May County Zoo or online at cmczoo.com. Thank you again to Jen for being such an awesome guest, indulging me in my cow questions, and sharing such amazing stories about all those big cats. And uh, remember, y'all, Jilly's credits backwards is Sealage Steiderk. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.